Amen. Let's, uh, oops, wrong, don't want to go there. All right, kids, you can head on upstairs. Let's go up there. Let us cling to the old rugged cross. <laughs> so while we were in um, Alabama and North Carolina, uh, we were able to, uh, it was great. The, the Wednesday, we left out Monday right after Easter. It's hard to believe Easter was two Sundays ago. Um, but uh, we headed out, and we uh, got to Alabama late on Tuesday, and then we went to church with Kareth and Matt you know, on uh, Wednesday night, and uh, it's such a blessing to see what God is doing in their lives and, and uh, um, working in the youth group there, and uh, I, I don't know, there's just something that... Um, it was a blessing to watch how God is using them, and uh, all of you guys that are parents and you still have your children at home, uh, value the time that you have with them, and uh, focus on, on teaching them the truth of the Word of God and making sure that your children know Christ as their Savior, and that they also are willing to be used by God, and uh, there will be nothing better than watching God take your children and use them for uh, a ministry that makes a difference in people's lives for eternity. And uh, But it was great to do that. And then we were able to go to church that Sunday after the wedding. Uh, we went with uh, Mackenzie's parents on Sunday morning um, to uh, uh, Bethel Baptist Church there in Shelby, North Carolina. Great message. And uh, a good man that's pastoring there and uh, been there, he told me, 18 years and had pastored, I think, 14 years before that in Chicago and uh, quite a change from Chicago to Shelby, North Carolina, I want you to know, but uh, it was a great day there with him and then that night we went to, uh, Teresa's brother lives there in North Carolina and we went with them to their church on Sunday night and I had, I, I had forgotten how how churches are a little different in the South. And there's a lot of hand-waving. There's a lot of amening. There's a whole lot of shouting. And uh, you don't go to sleep. And so, but uh, amen, that's right. But uh, it was great. And uh, there's, there's just good churches all over the country, and I'm thankful for those pastors that... Uh, one 18 years there, Pastor Goodman's been in faith, the one we went to Sunday night, 35 years, and so that's, uh, that's good, and it is that stability, and Teresa and I will be celebrating 25 before too long, and uh, just wouldn't trade this. For those of you who get concerned, thinking one of these days Pastor Money's going to pack up and move, there is no intention on ever leaving, and first of all, we knotheads kind of like each other. I mean, I'd have to start over somewhere, and nobody would like me. At least, at least you guys act like you like me, so I'll stay with that, all right? So, but uh, we, we're here, and uh, we just thank God for our church family. We missed you, and, but I, I watched Brother Young, uh, his message on Monday, or on Sunday last week was a very good message, and I hope was a blessing to all of you. And to our deacons who preached last Sunday night, 
Uh, you men challenged me uh, to be a better pastor, and uh, you did a wonderful job. And uh, somebody's going to get in trouble. Somebody <laughs> <laughs> All right. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. I, uh, th this is one of those messages that um, actually last Sunday night, Pastor Goodman preached on this, mess on this verse, Galatians 2 and verse 20. And it sparked me to preach a message out of this. It's not his message, totally different than what, what he, he had done with it. But um, it, it caused me to think, and so all week long I've been giving thought to uh, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. And he tells us, he says, Paul writing this to the Galatians, and, and the Galatians are having a hard time um, distinguishing the difference between works and faith. And they were, they were uh, mixing them both. And, and uh, so Paul had come in to teach them that, that the works of the law were a schoolmaster to teach them First of all, the law being perfect in what it was, was very perfect in what it did, showed us all that we fall short of the glory of God and fall short of perfection, and there's no way that we're going to save ourselves through our works, and that's what Galatians will teach you. And, um, we, uh, uh, and, and we understand that, and so it's by faith that, that we uh, trust Christ as our Savior, and and so Paul was, was emphasizing that. And so he tells us here in verse uh, 20 of chapter 2, prob prob probably the most pivotal verse in, in the New Testament dealing with faith and how it ought to impact us in our, in our walk. He says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me, and gave himself for me. What, what we're going to look at today is what I call an identity crisis. And we, um, a hard message to preach, but I think in the introduction, I need to do this, and, and it needs to be addressed because it is being addressed on the other side of things uh, today also. And we base this message upon the truth of what God's Word says. We want to do the best that we can to understand what God's Word says, why He said what He did in the context of uh, what He said, and who it was written to, and why it was written, and keep all of those things in context, because we, we need to understand that the Bible, the Word of God, is our this is for our life and practice today based upon what God's Word says. Only God's Word. That, that is our instruction manual that, that we have, and, and, and we need to understand that it's the Word of God that we need to base our lives upon in what we do. In 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, it says, For the prophecy, and and we know that when he's talking about the body of prophecy, he's talking about the entire body of doctrine that we have, the entire Bible that we have today, okay? And so the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Look, this Bible was not written 
just by the will of man. It wasn't written by some guy that just sat down and, and had a vision somewhere and, and wrote something out. There are many books like that, but not the Bible. And the, the Bible was not written by the will of man, but holy men of God. So, first of all, we know that the authors of this were holy men. These were men that that had looked to the Messiah, that had trusted him, and, and they were walking with him, and they were holy, separated men of God, and they spake as they were moved, uh, and the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so the Holy Spirit then led them to write exactly using their personality, using their abilities that they had to write exactly what God wanted them to write. And so because of that, we know that we now have the perfect Word of God in front of us today. It has been preserved through the power of God. Many have tried to change it. Many have tried to uh, usurp it. Many have tried to destroy it and, and, and take it away. But we know that we still have the very Word of God in front of us. So you can count on and you can know that the very words that are here are the very words that God has spoken. And so we can take this and by faith, knowing and trusting that what we have is the truth, and we can base our lives upon it, knowing that, that God will uh, do what it is that he says he will do. And so based upon that too, then he tells us and shows us of things that are right, he shows us things that are wrong. He shows us how to live. He, he, he reproves us along the way. He rebukes us, but he also corrects us and instructs us in, in the things that we ought to do. And so we, we come to a controversial topic, and, and I find it sad that we would ever have to deal with something like this, but here we are. We're in a day when we must do this, and our world is struggling with an identity crisis. They're struggling with, with any type of identity at all. And, and we know that, that uh, the world has plunged into the murky waters of, of immorality and they're searching for answers to what seems to be an unanswerable question, who am I? So many are looking today and trying to figure out who they are. According to an article in Medicine Net, uh, 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 I, I don't know where it's funded. I don't know if it's private. I didn't look into any of that. I just read the article written by Medicine Net. It was written by two medical doctors, and they have stated that not only are there the two genders of male and female, but there are also 72 other genders other than male and female. And I started reading through them and, and looking at them. And, and the thing that, that, that jumps out at me is that there is so much confusion today because so many people are trying to find the answer to who am I. You, you, are, you may be some of those who are sitting here today who are asking that question, who am I? And, and you're trying to figure these things out and, and trying to know and, and understand. Well, I want you to know that God's Word is very clear on some things. And if you want to find direction and you truly want to find peace in your life and, 
and you want to find and the answer to the question, who am I, then go to the one source that is perfect. Go to the one source that, that has created us and, and developed us and, and fearfully and wonderfully made us and find that he will give you the answer to all of this. Turn, keep your finger here in Galatians 2 and verse 20 because you're going to see where I'm getting to. Um, this is just the introduction, okay? But in Genesis chapter 1, Genesis meaning origins, beginnings. And so the, the book of Genesis is talking about all the beginnings that we have and the beginning of the world, the beginning of creation and, and, and uh, uh, beginning of everything. And in Genesis 1 and verse 26, this is what it says. And God said, let us. Who's us? It's the Trinity. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All three were involved in creation, all aspects of God. Let us make man in our image. And so now, knowing that we, everyone, has been created in the image of, of God. And so, after our likeness and similitude, and, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. We are to have dominion over them. We're to have rule over them. Man is to be the representative for God's dominion, the crown of God's creation. So we are to take care of that uh, creation that God has made. We are not to worship it. We are to have dominion over it. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, created he them couple of things first of all only man is created in God's image and God created two genders male and female look this isn't my opinion I don't I honestly I I, I can't say that I don't care what society thinks because I live in it and I have to deal with it every day but but honestly it shouldn't affect what I believe because it, and it really doesn't matter what I believe it matters what God's word says God's word says that he created man and woman. He created two genders and that is it. And then he even gave purpose to that. He said, and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Do you not see the spiritual battle that is taking place? And in all of God's design, we see that Satan is doing his best to confuse everyone to fight against the very purpose of what God has done. He is telling us then, this is for all of creation then, be fruitful. You need to multiply. You need to replenish the earth. I think it's sad that in our country alone that because of abortion since 1971 has been legalized, we've killed somewhere as close to 70 million babies in America. How pathetic is that to think that, that God, has shed, God has said that do not shed the blood of the innocent. There is no one more innocent than a baby in a mother's womb. And here we are, we're murdering them, and, and it's a totally against what God's command is, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. 
and and I'm all those other genders that are out there, only two can come together and make a baby, a male and a female. That's it. That's it. And so we go on. God is very clear in the same passage that purpose of humanity that we saw. God's also very clear that that it's marriage that he has ordained. And and in right here in, in Genesis chapter 2, uh, so chapter 1, we see he created man. Uh, chapter 2 then, we see that uh, he, he creates uh, Eve to be a helpmeet to Adam. And we see that he has ordained marriage in, in Genesis 2, 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. You look over at Matthew chapter 19, and, and here he, he uh, quotes some of this, but he also adds something to this. In Matthew 19, verses 5 and 6, And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh." Here's the last statement. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. Now we would think that that just has the idea of separating that man and wife, but I believe it has even more connotation than that in that the world is doing everything it can to destroy the whole idea of what marriage is all about because it's a spiritual battle. And it's something that God has ordained and, and the devil wants absolutely nothing that, that uh, God has uh, implemented into creation. And so here we see that uh, God's very clear that uh, marriage is ordained by God. It's very clear that it's between a man and a woman. And that, that is God's design. Now I know culture is telling us differently and that that we need to be accepting of all of those things. However, that is not the truth, and that is not what God wants. Yes, we need to love each other. However, let, sin is sin, okay? Let, let me ask you a question. If I was in some kind of a business, I don't know, let's say, uh, where you at, Jim? I'm going to pick on Jim. I'm not going to pick on you, all right, Jim? I'm going to be the car salesman, okay? So let me say that I'm the only car salesman in Morgan County, and I got this great lot of all these cars out there, and you come to me, and I sell you a car, and I lie to your face about the car. And then you know, oh, it's just a one-time thing. Somebody else from the church comes. You buy a car. I lie to your face about the car. And I continue to do so. You're going to continue to buy a car from me. No, you're probably going to go ride a horse. You'd rather ride a horse than buy a car from that thief, right? Because he is consistently doing something that's wrong. Well, what? either that, you're either going to stop buying a car, you're going to come to me and say, you need to quit lying to me. You need to tell me the truth about your car. You need to get right with God and quit being a liar. Well, it's the same way in our, in our lives. We can love each other, but... You know, there are some things that we're not going to accept. The world would tell you that, hey, man, he's your, he's your car salesman. Yeah, he lies a little bit, but it's okay. You've got to love him anyway. You've got to accept him for who he is. He's just a liar. 
Well, you can't do that. We don't do that. It's the same way and someone has chosen a lifestyle that that is against what God's Word says, even though culture says that it's okay, you just can't put up with it. And it's not that you don't love them. I, I it almost guarantee you every one of us have family members that have chosen a lifestyle that we don't agree with, whether, whether it be a lifestyle of, of gender identity, whether it be a lifestyle of alcoholism, drug abuse, or, uh, you know, or, or uh, some liar, you know? I mean, we got those too. So if we don't agree with what they're doing, we still love them. But we need to tell them the truth. This is what God's Word says. God's creation and His plan has been evidenced and confirmed even by science. Think about what, I think this is ludicrous, that that what are our schools have, have made it to where they must teach uh, evolution. Now, they teach it. Many of our good teachers let the kids know this is a theory, okay? But they are still made to teach it. And, they, and, and because that is scientific, these same, these same scientists that have told you that evolution is okay are now telling you that all these genders are also scientific. However, it goes totally against what evolution is all about. What does evolution teach? It teaches that the stronger species are going to survive. It's going to teach that, that evolution, you are going to constantly be evolving to be stronger and, and, and better and, and, and better equipped and, and adapting to the society. And, and look, all of these other genders do not replenish the earth. They do not multiply and they do not get stronger. It's totally anti-evolution. So it ought to tell you that all of that is, a, is false. It's a false narrative. And all it is is a spiritual battle going against what God's Word says. People can get mad at that all day long, and they do. And they say that the preacher is the radical and that, that he's crazy. I guess I am a radical if I'm just going to believe what the Bible says. But we need to believe what the Bible says. And so, as I say, if it... Looks like a duck, walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, has feathers like a duck. I'm pretty sure it's a duck. And so we need to understand that, that uh, don't listen to all of the narratives that are out there and all the confusion because God, in 1 Corinthians 14, God is not the author of confusion, but of peace and in all churches of the saints. We live in a society today that is not at peace. We, we are living in a society of chaos today. We're living in a society that's full of anger and bitterness. And we are, we are living in a society full of depression and discouragement. And I saw that Winona Judd uh, passed away yesterday. Or Naomi Judd, the mom, whichever one that was. And so, suicide. 76 years old and commits suicide. I mean, it tells us the hopelessness of our society. And I'm, I'm telling you that, that we continue to look to society and we continue to look to culture and we continue to try to find our answers there in, in this lost world. All it's going to do is continue to take you down a path that is full of discouragement, deceit, and, and truly confusion. 
You need to stop and you need to define the one rock that does not move and it's right here in his word. And you need to look to it and you need to trust what it says and know that God has things under control. And you know why I believe that so many people are looking everywhere else and this is going to bring us to the message. Why so many people are looking into culture and they're looking into the world and they're trying to find all their answers in, in all of the medical books and, and, and in politicians or in scientists is because they have looked at, at churches and they've looked at those that say that they are a believer in Jesus and they see absolutely no difference in someone that says they're a believer than in someone who's pretty much a, uh, an atheist, and there's no difference in their lives. And that's what I come to when we think about gender identity, and we start thinking about an identity crisis, well, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 shows us the problem. It shows us the problem with so many of us as believers today that that, that here we are, the world is trying to find the, the question, to find the answer to their question, who am I? And they look at us as believers and, and they, they see our lives and say, Man, there's no difference in him than the rest of us. And so there is a major identity crisis with believers. And Galatians chapter 2, verse 20 shows us that, you know what we want? We want the salvation. We want what Jesus gives us through his death, burial, and resurrection. We want to know that we are saved and that we have a place reserved for us in heaven. But we don't want the crucifixion. We don't want the bloodiness of it. We don't want the goriness of it. We, we don't want to think about the sacrifices that must be given up. Jesus gave up everything to go to that cross and die on that brutal tree, was buried and rose again and ascended into heaven. And he did so because he loves us, gave up all of his desires and maybe all those things that he wanted to do and did exactly what the will of his father was so that we could have eternal life. And so many of us today just do not want to give that up. Look, what does God say that we are? Look in John chapter 1 and, and uh, verse 12. Look at this. It tells us here that, that uh, actually I want to read the, the uh, uh, verse right before that too. John chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 11, it talks about Jesus. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. His own family was denying him. But as many as received him, received means to take and to grasp a hold of him and understanding who he is, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Well, you, you have an identity crisis? Let me tell you something. You call on Jesus Christ to be your Savior. You, you recognize and understand that you've you have a heart that's blackened with sin, that, that your life is reeking with sin, and you realize there is no way that you're going to dig yourself out of that hole, 
and that you will come to him humbly and with an open heart and, and, a, and, a, and a sorrowfulness about you because of your sin and that, that repentance that you have in your life and, and in your mind. And, and you come to him and, and, you, and you call on him and, and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ did those things and call on him representing what's going on in your heart to be your savior. He will save you. Believe on his name. And you have the power to become a child of God. You see, that, that starts solving the identity crisis. It shows you that you are now a child of God. He also tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and, and here he was talking to a pretty carnal lot of people in, in uh, 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 the Corinthians dealing with all kinds of stuff in their lives, but, but he talks to the ones that have trusted Christ and And he tells us this in verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ. That's what happens when you trust Christ as your Savior. You are now in Christ. And he's shown us that we are in Christ by giving us the Holy Spirit of God. At that very moment of salvation, he gives us the Holy Spirit of God to indwell us for all eternity. And we are in Christ. He is a new creature. We're a new creation. We are different than we used to be. And then he says, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Your identity, you're a child of God. Not only are you a child of God, but you're a new creation. Stop acting like you used to. Let God change you. How how do you change? Follow God. Trust what the Bible says. Do to the best of your ability as you read the Word of God. Ask God to help you to understand exactly what you're reading today so that you can take something from your devotion this morning and and you can use it in your life and and allow God to take that and, and work in your life and give you new direction in your life. And He will change you. And you'll see that you are a new creation and and you are different than you used to be. I I found that that uh, he, and, and even in, in carnality, you know, there, there are times when, when we as Christians get off and, and, and start doing things that we had not to do. I give testimony of that. My junior and senior year of high school and my first semester freshman year of college are, are years that, that ha- have filled my life with a lot of regret, a lot of trash that I shouldn't have done. But it was then that spring uh, semester of my freshman year of college that, that, that I, I, saw, I saw a friend that, that I had helped push out of the ditch earlier that night who was inebriated, who I was too, and pushed him out of that ditch earlier that evening and, and teased him. He got back in the car and ended up dying in a car wreck that night. Woke up the next morning and heard about it and walked away from that trash and and for all of you if you don't know this don't ever think you'll ever hear me say that drinking even in moderation is okay i hate the stuff god hates the stuff don't ever think that jesus was some wine bibber that walked around getting soused by that junk and saying well he created the wine and you know what you need to study out history and see what he's talking about 
Jesus wasn't someone that was a drunkard. Jesus did not let someone else or something else control him. He did not do that. Oh, how we need to get away from that junk. And we have so many people think that that they can walk that line and, and use that excuse. Look, you are a new creation in Christ. Quit living and thinking about all the worldly junk that is out there. Quit trying to impress your friends that sitting there and drinking with them and acting like some moron that's been taken over by some stinking alcohol, some drug, and making you do stuff that you'd never do otherwise. Don't think that God is going to be pleased with you and doing those things and thinking that, that if your kid can't do it, neither should you. Do you hear me? If your kid can't do it, neither should you. Except for the enjoyments of marriage. But your kids shouldn't do it till they're married. Old-fashioned. No, biblical. And so a new creation. That wasn't part of the message, sorry, but I just hate alcohol. I don't know how many, how many friends and family members that I've buried because of that stuff. And to think that I'm ever going to tell somebody it's okay to go get a little nip every once in a while? No, I'm not. How many families have I counseled because the husband has been beating the wife? I was in someone's garage yesterday. And she poured her heart out to me. Doesn't come here doesn't really know me very well, pouring her heart out to me because her husband is a drunk. Look, we got to be better. The world needs to look at us and see that there is something different with us. There is something different about us. We're a new creation. He tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2, look at this, in verse 9, he says, but ye are a chosen generation. Do you know that whenever you trust Christ as your Savior, you are special to God? You are. You are special to God Almighty. You're a chosen generation. You ever given thought also that with all this craziness that's going on in the world, that God has chosen this very time to allow all these things to happen? And not only has he chosen to let all those things to happen, but he's chosen to let it happen during our time, during our generation, because he wants to do something special in our lives, and he wants to use us to do something special in the lives of those around us and make a difference in this society. It's a wonderful privilege that we have. And not only that, but we are a royal priesthood. Do you know and understand that when you trust Christ as your Savior, you are your own priest because of what Jesus Christ has done. We now can go directly to the throne of God, and there we can seek grace and help in the time of need. We do not need someone else to do that for us. We can do that ourselves. It's a royal priesthood. Fantastic, isn't it? A holy nation. You know what that means? That you're separated, you're set apart, and you're different. That's what he tells us. We ought to be different. Let us walk differently. Look, I'm not, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want this to be a scolding, okay? I don't, I don't want that. I just want us to be encouraged to just be different. I mean, I, I learned that I'm different a long time ago. When I was in kindergarten and I looked like a sixth grader, I just knew I was different. 
Oh, by second grade, I was taller than my mother. Oh, and, and then God wasn't done with that. He said at 21, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to change your hair just to make you really stand out. So now if you really are stupid, Jordan can find me easily. I'm looking for this lunatic that's 6'8", 265 pounds, and his hair is bright white. You know, he can't, you really can't miss him. And so God does that, right? But here, we need to be set apart. We are different. And so you just live with that. So what what people think? Who cares what they're saying? Just be, Yeah, the applause of one is all we're looking for. I love this one, a peculiar people. <laughs> yep, they are peculiar. Pretty much all of you are the weird uncle. No, I'm kidding. But we ought to be. You know, that, that also set apart. We're different than what the world says, and, and so we are, we are a peculiar people. Why? That ye... And that word ye in our King James is, is a plural, okay? Uh, in our newer language today, you could mean you, Betty, or you, Betty and Pam, or y'all. You know? See, Southern does help, doesn't it? Because if I say y'all, you know I'm talking about y'all, right? <laughs> See, there are some smart things about the South. <laughs> Fried okra. Yeah. Oh, back. All right. That ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, I don't, I don't want to go back and rehash the stupid things that I did in high school and my freshman year of college. I don't want to go back and rehash that. I, I want to think about the things that God's done differently in my life. I, I don't want to go back and remember when my dad snatched me out of the back row of the pews and drug me outside and spanked my behind right out in the middle of God and everybody. Oh, I mean, he didn't even have the, the kindness to take me to the bathroom. He takes me outside in the middle of the street. Let the whole world see, this is what's going to happen, boy. And so, <laughs> that's what's wrong with me today. But let us, let us be called out of that darkness. And you see, that's what he's talking about in Galatians 2. Now you can go there, and I'll be done quickly. That's what it means. That's what I mean by we all want the salvation, but we don't want the crucifixion. Because what does he say? He says, I am crucified with Christ. So our identity, we are a child of God. We're a new creation. We're a chosen generation. We are royalty, we're holy, we're peculiar. And so, you want to answer the question, who am I? You know, Lord, what, are, what, are, what is the purpose of my life today? What is it that, that I need to do? I think one of the craziest things that we can expect is that someone graduate, and we have a number of graduates who are getting ready to graduate from high school, and you're like, okay, tomorrow you need to make a decision what you're going to do for the rest of your life. Good luck. Happy trails. That's craziness. I was a junior in high school before I ever declared my major, or junior in college before I ever declared my major. And I still didn't know. I was like, yeah, well, this looks like an easy one. Uh, it's a bunch of classes that I have to talk. I can do that. So I took it. And then God, you know what? God used that even in my ignorance 
and interpersonal communications. And then here I am in the ministry now, 33 years, and, and God blessing that. And using my ignorance, just follow him and let him take care of it. You know what you do, kids, that you're trying to figure out who you are? Well, first of all, trust Christ as your Savior. Find your identity in him, okay? First, the most important thing you'll ever do. Trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and identify as a child of God. And as you identify as a child of God, let him make you a new creation. Let him make you what it is that he wants you to be. And then thirdly, understand that you are special to him and he has set you apart for his purposes. Okay, God, so what is it that you want me to do? That is exactly your purpose in life. Who are you? You are a child of God to be used by God to, to show his marvelous grace, his marvelous works in a dark society. And just let God use you. We as parents, we want to promote our kids and push our kids and, and, and you got to know this and you got to do this and, and you got to have, uh, you got to graduate with a 4.0 so you get all of these, these uh, 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 scholarships so that you can go to some crazy college somewhere where some lunatic uh, 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 professor who thinks that you came from a monkey and, and thinks that he's going to address you as his, her, or whatever it is that you want to be called yourself and think that they're going to give you any kind of direction in life. They're as confused as a goose in a hailstorm who's been whacked in the head a couple of times. Find your identity and find your direction in God's Word. And parents, teach them that. Don't let them grow up confused and wondering what the Word of God says. Teach them the Word of God. And show that they have a wonderful, magnificent purpose in life. Who are you? Well, you're a child of God. And so you're a saved individual. You're also crucified with Him. And that's what He tells us. I am crucified with Christ. Identify with His death. Understand that... that and here, you are crucified is a one-time action. Do you understand that? And the results of it last forever. You do not have to continuously be crucified. You have been crucified with Christ at that moment when your faith was in Jesus Christ as your Savior. And you trust Him. And understand that because of that, then you have been crucified. The end of me being a hell-bound sinner in God's eyes. My standing in God now is that I am crucified with Christ. Romans chapter 5, verses 8 through 21 shows us that no longer are, are we the son of Adam. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 18 shows us that we are now dead to the dominion of sin in our lives. And we are alive unto Christ. We can live for him now and, and know that we are empowered by God to live for him and, and he will guide you and direct you and show you your purpose in life. Man, I, 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 I wish we could promote this everywhere because we, we have kids daily who are, who, who are seeking uh, uh, suicide and thinking that that is the avenue that's going to answer all of their questions and, and that just brings them to eternity. And, have, and, and the reality of it, have those children trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior or not? Look, God is a holy God. And if that child has come to the point where he can recognize and understand the seriousness of sin and, and recognizes and understands that, that they are rejecting that gospel, then they are in severe trouble. 
What are our parents doing? Working to make a bunch of money. Drive that fancy new car and get a new home. Their kids are sitting in their bedroom with the doors locked and the lights off and trying to find direction in their lives and trying to answer the question, who am I? Oh, let us show them who we are, who they need to be. They need to be a child of God, and they need to identify in the death of Christ. You see, it's not about you any longer. You identify in his death, but you also identify in his life. Look what it says. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. So he's not saying go out and kill yourself as a child of God. He's saying now I'm crucified with Christ and no longer do I live for self. No longer am I that old creature, but I'm a new creation today. And, and so I'm, I'm, as I'm crucified and I'm dead to myself and I'm alive unto Christ, then now I see that I live. And how do I live? But I, I, I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God. So here, our identity, my life is not my own, it's his. Christ lives through me, and that Christ living through me is a continuous process. We're crucified once, Christ continues to live through us. What are we showing people? Our world in this identity crisis, and they're trying to find the answer, and they are looking at us. What are we showing them? Get even a little more personal with that. What are you showing your own children? What are you showing them that is most important in their lives? Oh, how we need to identify with Christ. And let us be directed by His word and His will. Proverbs 14, 12 says, There is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Let us make sure that we identify with Christ in His death, We identify with Christ in life, and we identify with Christ through faith. Through faith in who? The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Most powerful thing that you can do in your life is walk with God, and people will see that you are different. You don't have don't go around telling them that you're different. Tell them about Jesus. It won't take them long, they'll see you're different. When I went back to college and I lived in the dorm and our whole wing, I mean we were pretty tight. All those guys that we were there, we, we had some good times, right? They thought it was great. I, I don't know how it's a good time when you have a friend who's stone cold drunk and is running for the door and he misses the door and hits the door jam because he's so drunk, he's thinking he's running through the door, hits the door jam right here, just perfect as you could get. Broke his nose, black both eyes to the point where he couldn't see anything. We had to take him to the emergency room, bleeding all over the place. Get him to the emergency room. He's so belligerent that the doctor says, I can't do anything for him. You need to take him home. You need to put him in bed, and you need to stay awake with him with a trash can and make sure that tomorrow morning you don't wake up and he's dead lying there in his own vomit, drowned from it. That is exactly what the doctor told us. And we think that that's fun. Now we're different. 
when I came back, I told them, no more, guys. I'm done with it. Matter of fact, I want you to know about Jesus. I want you to know that we need to do some things better in our lives. We need to get some things right in our lives. You know what's sad? Most of those guys transferred to another college after that year. They quit hanging around with me. They just kind of walked away. But you know what? Not one regret do I have from turning away from that trash. Not one regret. Later on then, that, that summer, God called me into the ministry. I have no doubt. And since then, there's just been no looking back. Wouldn't trade it at all. Other than just be better for him. That's the only thing. Let me be better for him. Let it, and you know what it all comes down to? It comes down to faith. Trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Look, how do we identify today? Well, we need to identify and make sure that you're a child of God. If you're not, look, we're here to help. That's all this is. I'm not here to be controversial with you today. I am here to confront you with the truth of God's word. And if you will humbly trust him as your savior today, you will have eternal life. You'll have a new purpose in your life. You can answer the question. Somebody comes to you and says, Rod, who are you? Rod can say, I'm a child of God. I'm a new creature. And I've been set apart to be used by God. Well, what's he going to do with you? I don't know, but it's good. And I know what I need to do today. I need to stay in the Word, and I need to be the right kind of husband, and, and I need to be the right kind of dad, and, and I know I need to stay in the Word and pray for one another, and, and I need to love my neighbor more, and, and I need to tell him about Jesus. I, I know all of those things, so I got, hey, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do today. And so can you. And your children can find peace. They can find peace in knowing that it's okay not to know what you're going to do tomorrow. Today, I know what I'm supposed to do. And God will show you. And God will use your unique abilities. He'll use your personality in ways that, that you never thought could be used and make a difference in someone else's life for all eternity. That is what it's about. Those are the things that are important. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. It matters how you live. Live for him. Find your purpose. Find your identity. This world is screaming for help. And it doesn't come by, I'll end with this, you guys that are firemen. And you would understand this, if there's somebody hanging over, hanging over a bridge and you guys are going to have to go down there and get him, you're not going to get him by jumping off the side of the bridge, are you? That ain't going to save him. You're going to grab a rope and you're going to do something to get a rope around him and then you're going to pull him up out of there. Same way, if somebody's in the cesspool of sin and, and, and drugs and, or whatever it is that's going on in their lives, you don't go down there and roll a joint with him. You're going to drag him out of that. You're going to help him out. 
But see, you know what the world's looking at? They're looking at us and they, man, he's no help. Well, let's identify. Let's identify with Christ. Let's make a difference and see what God can do. Why is there an identity crisis? How do we fix it? We want salvation, but we don't want crucifixion. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who gave himself, who loved me and gave himself for me. Let us identify with who he is in our lives today. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Lord, it is a, just a confused world today, and my heart goes out to them. You don't want them to live a life of confusion. You don't want them to live a life of depression and discouragement and, and just questioning and wondering and, and just having all the self-doubts and the self-esteem. And I, I'm, Lord, you know. You know what's going on. And, and I know you don't want that for them. I don't want that for them either. I don't want that for me. I don't want that for my family. I don't want that for our church family. I don't want it for our society. I don't want it for our community. I want them to be able to find and understand the peace that you give, a peace that, first of all, we make with you through Jesus. And then it's a peace that you give us that only comes through Christ. Lord, I pray that each one of us can walk out of here today and have that peace, both of them, both types of peace. Lord, if there be one that hasn't settled that, that today they would settle that. And Father, that they would understand that they are then, that we are children of God, that new creation holy and set apart for you. Lord, help us to live that way. I pray you stir in the hearts of each one who's here. Help us, Lord, to leave behind what it is that we need to leave behind. Help us to carry on with what we need to do. Guide us and direct us in what needs to be done. In Jesus' name, amen.